Welcome back to the 3D Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Genus, and I'm here with Brendan Murphy and Zachary Genus, the usual suspects. And on this episode of the 3D Podcast, we want to discuss the role of the big man and how it's evolved uh, in this era of the league. Um, as you know, big, big men have been so important to the league historically, but in the role that they've served has changed significantly even over the past five or six years let alone since the beginning of the uh of the 2000s so but before we get into that i just wanted to take a moment to acknowledge uh monte ginobili's retirement this uh this past week obviously hall of famer uh what five four four time champion four or five four i think and He's uh, one of the best international players to ever play the game. Uh, do you guys have any special moments or anything in particular you're going to remember about Ginobili's career? Well, aside from his bald spot, one thing I'll, I'll remember about Manu is just uh, watching him play against the Heat in the finals and just watching the, the, the life he brought to the team. He was kind of like the heart of the team. Obviously, he wasn't uh, better than or more valuable to the team than Tim Duncan in terms of um, his skill level and production, that, the production, the you know the consistency. But he's was an all around great player. He's a great ambassador for Argentina for the sport of basketball in Europe. Um, and I just think he's had an impressive impact for, especially for someone coming from overseas like he did. To me, uh, Ginobili's most impactful uh, area was his elusiveness. Um, you know, a lot of European players bring something new to the table, like Dirk brought this unstoppable shot, you know, jump shot from a big man we'd never seen before. And Ginobili brought this elusiveness, the, a creative way to score, creative way to pass, creative way to play, even defense, um, without necessarily being the best at any one thing, like we see now, like with Curry being the best shooters and whatnot. Um, and I think it was all about efficiency. His whole game was based on being efficient. And he even invented a move like the Eurostep, which is now a staple of uh, modern-day NBA players. It yeah, has become I mean, it, it's, it's just such a great a, move. Yeah, it's something so commonly used. And it's hard to think that it, it's not often that you think of the fact that he sort of grandfathered that into the league. Before Ginobili did it, people would have said you were traveling if you tried to do a Eurostep. That's right. And... Again, he's just another testament to how great the Spurs organization has been over the past 20, 25 years because he was the 57th pick in a draft taken from overseas. The Spurs always managed to find hidden gems like that, and I think it's kind of sad. He was the last, uh, last rem- he was the last remaining player, I think, from the Spurs 2014 championship team. So this really is the end Denny of the era. Oh, no, Danny Green got traded with uh, Kawhi. Oh, that's right. That's right. That, we um, haven't seen him yet, but yeah. Yeah, so I think this is really the end of Boris the Diaw. <laughs> for the Spurs. Yeah, the Boris Diaw. Boris Diaw-led Spurs. of the world. Yeah. Yep. All right. So now with that out of the way, let's move right on to our topic. And, Brendan, you sort of brought it up a bit with uh, the Dirk Nowitzki mention. Um. The NBA in the NBA, big men have changed quite a bit. Um, what would if if you were a scout, 
what sort of player would you be looking for in a big man now as compared to the, let's say, pre-2000? Well, you, you got to shoot. I mean, just straight up, you have to shoot. Um, and now we're seeing players that we didn't even think could shoot, like Dwight Howard probably still can't shoot, trying to learn how to shoot because of how valuable it is. Um, you know, I, I said earlier in the week, I was talking about how LeBron could play center better than anybody in the league right now. I mean, you know, that may or may not the ability to do more things on the basketball court is more valuable now than it ever has been in the past. You're not going to beat anybody with size unless it's a mismatch. Um, and so I, I believe shooting is number one. Um, after shooting, however, though, I really do like the athletic, rebounding, defensive, traditional big man. If you can add shooting into that, I think you're already top five player in the league, and that's what we're seeing from uh, DeMarcus Cousins, although the defense is a little out of there. Right. Um, but especially and, somebody like Anthony Davis, who sometimes plays center, can shoot the ball and is probably the best defender in the league. Right. Yeah. So you, I, uh, and, yeah, Zach? Oh. Yeah, I agree with most of what Brennan said, and I, I think that a perfect player model uh, summed that up. And, you know, the player who embodies this, even in his youth, is uh, Joel Embiid. He's just entered the league and he's already a top you know a top 15 probably player yeah, in the strong league strong argument for even top 10 yeah i mean i, I think last year yeah, but you could uh, last year if i'm not mistaken he averaged a a pretty nice double double and um at 7 feet 250 pounds being able to shoot the way he can handle the ball the way he can he's kind of like that you know, guard in a center's body-ish, but he still has the, the moves and prowess of a big man. And on the defensive end, he is even better. Um, yes, he's actually a much better defensive from, player from than offensive. Seen. Yes, but that doesn't stop him from averaging, you know, 20, 20, 20 something points a game and 11 boards. So I think Embiid is the future. The, the centers like him future. So... The one interesting thing that Embiid has that is pretty uncommon now for a big man, though, is that he's a very, a very effective post scorer. Not, I, I think he could definitely be a lot more efficient in his in the face up game, but he has this level of footwork that's not common and not very often used. Do you think there's a role for big men who are primarily back to the basket, um, slower, work down low type players? Uh, because we've seen the the one guy that comes to mind, and I think it's a scary thought for most uh, GMs and, and players and coaches now, is Jalil Okafor. I remember, I'm a Duke fan, and I remember watching his tapes in high school, and I, was, and I, I figured he's the number one recruit, so he has to be good. But when I watched him, I was never wowed by the athleticism. Well, or... to answer that question, yeah. Yeah, those players do have a role. Um, but unfortunately, nowadays, they're seeing that role be a six-man role. Uh, guys like Anis Kanter and Nikola Vucevic are soon to be coming off the bench as a six-man to provide a quick offense interior, um, from the interior and you know, minimal defense against lower competition. That's, that's unfortunately the new role of the big man. If you're not able to shoot the ball and spread the floor offensively, uh, you get moved to the second unit. Now, that there's still a lot of value to be had there. Um, with Ennis Cantor, I really think he's one of the better centers in the league, and he's even starting right now on a poor New York Knicks team. But 
Um, regardless, he really is truly a six man now. Um, and his post game is very, is very effective and he could easily put up 20 a game. Uh, unfortunately the liability on defense and the lack of versatility on offense, um, really limits players like that. So Zach, uh, that, that's a good point, Brendan. Zach, do you think that it is possible for a player with that back to the basket style to be a centerpiece anymore? Is that, or are those days over? Uh, I don't think you're going to see it. Well, I think it's possible, but I do not think we're going to see it. I think, like you said, I think those days are, um, and this is why growing up now in, in basketball, you don't see coaches teaching players that they know that the way the league is moving, um, you need to be able to handle the ball and need to be able to shoot. And when you spend time and on one thing, you're going to neglect another. That's just that's in anything. Um, so I think that it's going to be neglected for time. And I don't know if we'll live to see uh, that back to the basket, Hakeem, you know, you know, bruiser kind of, but still graceful post move. I don't think we'll see that that come back, even though I think we'll see flashes of it from players every now and then. That's an interesting point. Uh, I think that's that's really. I think you really articulated that well, Zach. A lot of play, a lot of coaches. What they realize is that when they teach a player to rely on his height, primarily, and his size, or when they teach players to work inside, they only teach them. They were only teaching them in the past to rely on their height and their size, without necessarily emphasizing the key, the most key aspect of scoring down low, which is your footwork. So now yeah. coaches try and get away from that and you see them say, you may not be that tall. You may end up being a guard. Um, you may get st- stuck at 6'6", six, six, a poor baby, um, right? But those players aren't working on moves and skills down low that um, some of the players of the past have. So with mm-hmm. that in mind, do you guys believe that um, someone like We'll say I'm not, I'm not I wouldn't go as high as Hakeem and Shaq because obviously those guys would still dominate the league today, uh, no doubt. Though, I guess it would be worth asking: Would someone like Hakeem and Shaq or Shaq be able to be the centerpiece of a team now? Because when it comes down to it, two is less than three, and with a team playing teams like the Rockets and Warriors you'd have to worry about just keeping up. Do you guys feel that it'd be possible to keep up running your offense through someone that's who's scoring two pointers half the time instead of someone who's making three pointers 40% of the time? Well, you just have to compensate on defense. I mean, that's what it comes down to. The fact that the Warriors do so well is because nobody can guard them. Uh, you know, a lot of teams try to outshoot them one, one for one, and that just can't happen because you don't have the shooters for it. You just have to match up offense. I mean, match up defensively, effectively. And, you know, have one guy that beats them in one other area, you know. The one thing that the Warriors have lacked is an interior defensive presence, truly. I mean, JaVale McGee was a good defensive player, but I never truly uh, uh, realized his full potential there. Um, so no, if you were no, able to... Also, uh, I just want to point out, don't knock on Draymond Green either, but his value is not just but you can't, his he can't guard presence. centers. Yeah, he really he's can't a, guard centers. his value is versatility more so than um, being a... Pr- an, the best perimeter defender or the best interior defender, but go on. And well, 
my thing is that if, if the Warriors could be matched up with on every position defensively um, and you had one low post scoring option that was your star player I think you would be able to beat them but the chances of that happening are just too low um, because simply uh, having one two point option means that you can uh, close the floor and not have to worry about guarding three uh, pointers and it really limits the other team's defensive effort which means they can put more effort in offensively nowadays you just have to be be able to shoot the ball effectively in large quantities to do well. And the problem is nobody does it better than the Warriors, and that's why they're just so good. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, I did think uh, just talking about the way the offense works through the post uh, made me think of Nikola Jokic. Now, obviously, Jokic is probably – Jokic is definitely a top-five center. You could probably make an argument, a uh, pretty pretty strong argument for top three, uh, de- depending on whether DeMarcus Cousins is healthy or not. But um, and if you consider Anthony Davis a center, I guess. I but, mean, to me, Carl Anthony Towns and Jokic are pretty close. So I mean, it's it's tough to say there. Yeah, um, but Jokic, what the skill that he has that no other big man has really had at his level ever, save maybe for Wilt Chamberlain. Um, which was eons ago. Yes, passing. Uh, And I think that if you, if teams start to, and the Nuggets are really working on trying to make this normal, um, if teams start to operate by using a big man with passing skills um, and passing vision, where they run their offense through the ability of, or the ability of the big man to make passes and plays that no other player could, I think that would be the fastest way to sort of start getting play, getting us back towards this uh, big man dominant league. I don't think it's going to happen often because, like I said, Jokic is a one of a kind sort of player, once in a generation sort of passer. But if we are teaching, if coaches are continuing to teach players to teach tall players guard skills, passing should come with that. Um, Zach, do you think it's possible to, uh, as far as passing goes, do you think that the standard will be big men are as good as good at passing the basketball as your point guard? Every player is a playmaker. Um, I see it heading in that direction. Obviously, I don't think it'll ever be that way just because although big men can focus on guard skills, they're they're still not guards, right? So they're they're never going to be able to. Um, in games, be pushing the ball up the floor. They they don't have to have the same. They're just not required to have that vision that guards need to have in order to be successful on the court and create the best opportunities for the. With that said, centers more and more now are being are able to uh, facilitate and you know share the ball, and which is why it's not strange to think that. Someone, a, a player as smart and with the vision that LeBron has, could play center every uh, and be and do it just as to already, you know, out of the position. So obviously, even though it feels as though big men are being made less and less important in today's NBA, this year's draft class featured five power forward or center players, uh, players who play center, all of them drafted in the top seven picks of the draft and 
most people were pretty surprised that it wasn't five of six because Trey Young went earlier than most people expected. Which of these guys, we've made it pretty obvious here that we think Bagley is going to be the best player in this draft. But which of these guys... After Mo All right. Magic bias. Just kidding. But um, which of these guys do you think best fits the modern NBA player mold or modern NBA center mold? Now, even though just like Paul George, I haven't been a longtime supporter of the game, uh, I have to say that the most modern game out of the big men that we saw has to come from Jaron Jackson. Um, Actually, it's surprising considering all of the – hate that I threw on him in the offseason, really didn't care for his stats, would not have drafted him. Um, And it seems almost ironic now that I'm saying that he fits the best mold of today's game. But the truth is I feel like he could develop um, in every area because he already has some tools in each of the areas. Um, He's shown the ability to shoot quite well. Um, His defensive prowess is excellent, excellent. And his stats were very varied across the board. Seems to do a lot of the things that a modern-day center is required to do. So uh, look for Jaron Jackson to really fill that mold of a modern center, even if right away it's not a starter or even a star player. And I think that he's been presented with a unique opportunity to play with the Grizzlies, a team that already, well, when they're healthy, is a playoff team. Maybe not after the uh, the recent Well, Marc Gasol is one of the most underrated players, and so is Mike Conley. So. Yeah, the but with him filling, um, with him being able to play essentially across the wings, um, he could play the, a wing or a big role. I think you really get to showcase his versatility more than any player, except for maybe Wendell Carter Jr. with the Bulls, who has a huge role in uh, trying to be the only player playing. Him and Chris Dunn will have to shore up and make up for players who literally don't play defense for the uh, Chicago Bulls. Carter, Although Wendell is, Carter is an excellent defender. Yeah, he is. Yep. I think he, um, I think he is probably the most NBA-ready of the big men, based on the summer league especially. Showed off a lot of versatility, though I think the big difference between him and someone like Jackson is he's just not as athletic. Uh, who you got, Zach, as your modern NBA guy, modern NBA big man? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with everything. I think it's important to note that the athleticism of Bagley and the length of Aiton are also key key things in terms of a defensive center who could also play offense like uh, Joel Embiid, but I pretty much echo the same ideas which you guys were talking about. Well, to close things out here, I figure we should, if we're going to talk about big men, do some sort of ranking since the we haven't really discussed the current big men in the league. Um, in the league. So let's try and come up with our top five true big men in the league. So no tall wings, no Giannis, no um, no Kevin Durant. Um, we'll say power forwards and centers in the league right now. I think it's pretty easy to come to a consensus on number one, Anthony Davis. A-D. Any, yes, sir. Any, uh, any disagreement there? Top three offensive, top three defensive, maybe top one defensive? Uh, no, let's say top five offensive. I think he's the best defensive player in the league. Yeah. So, Anthony Davis, best big man of the league, probably the third best player in the league. Um, Behind who? 
No, I mean, fourth. I mean, you can't say about Kawhi yet. So. Well, yeah, but at the moment, he we we give him third behind uh, LeBron and Durant. Most people would. Zach might put Steph above him, right? Yes, sir. Yes, you would. You're wrong though. Um, so who would you guys go with after that? Uh, yeah, I think Cousins is a is a good second place for uh, top big man. Prior to the season, we were saying that, or a lot of people, I shouldn't say we, a lot of people were saying that Cousins was the better of the pair in, in New Orleans. So, um, obviously, I think we've agreed that Davis has Surpassing. proven that he's, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'd say for two. Um, I think that, I, I, I definitely, I think I'd go with Cousins at number two to, as well if he were healthy, but you could, I think Embiid is made a pretty strong case because of just how much better he is defensively than Cousins. Um, that he could yeah. be your second best big man even if Cousins is healthy. Um, obviously, Cousins has an offensive repertoire that's unmatched, totally unmatched. Not There's not a single offensive big man who's close to him, I'd say, as far as all-around skills. But he does commit a lot of turnovers, and even though he's a decent defender... When he's engaged, he's not engaged a lot of the time. And to me, if I had to choose between him and Embiid, I would go Embiid at number two. So, Brendan, you're the tiebreaker there. Who would you take, Embiid or Cousins, as the second best big man? I'm just not the biggest Embiid fan. Um, I have to go with Cousins. Although, um, I think that's clearly going to change at the end of the season. Uh, Cousins is just simply not going to get the looks he's used to getting. Uh, there's no way around that. Um, and uh, I, I look to see Embiid even get better. You have to remember, Embiid's not even necessarily in his prime yet. So uh, Cousins close, isn't yeah. going up anymore. Um, Embiid is. Um, and Davis, obviously, atop that uh, that throne. Um, but I think it's close. Um, I, I believe with the big man, it's all very close after Davis, honestly. I really like Jokic. I'm a big fan of Jokic. Um, I like Yobear. I like Carl Anthony Towns. Do you like? I do like Embiid. Which one but, of the, So would you would you say that it goes Davis, then Cousins and Embiid, and then it's those three guys in the next category? Yeah, and I think they're all tied. Um, I would take personally. I would take Jokic over Cat and Gobert. Although I couldn't tell you who's better between Gobert and Cat. I really could. Uh, that's a tough uh, choice for me to make. Uh, and and I really think it's just close all the way around. I even think it's close to those guys, along with um, Cousins. I just think Anthony Davis is in another uh, stratosphere. Realm. Right. Um, so since Brendan can't decide between those three, I think you're pretty you're you're spot on with them being neck and neck. To me, at the moment, I would say Towns just because. Jokic is an abysmal defender, and so is Towns. But Jokic is not athletic is not athletic enough to even be a factor on defense. Um, and I think that uh, it's really going to hold the Nuggets back going forward, unless Paul Millsap I mean, can get he's, healthy. He's simply a better shooter than Towns is. Is he a better, better shooter? Post scorer. It's it's close, but I'd say he's better. He's definitely a better post scorer, and then he's got. Um, better rebounding, and he's a better passer. So, uh, I, I mean, I, I I still think Jokic is above Towns a little bit. Okay, so, um, and 
Gobert, top top five defensive player. Sometimes and Gobert's at, tough to me, uh, honestly. Gobert's probably one. one of my most hard players to rank. Just just want to say this is that with a lot of players in the league, if they do defense, um, we rate them as like role players or maybe even starter or starter players. Um, but with offense, when you have pure offense, we rate them as superstars like James Harden. Uh, yeah. I just think it's interesting that like purely defensive guys like Patrick Beverly, who do one side of the game really well, but don't do the other side really well, don't get the credit that people like James Harden do. So I wonder if we undervalue defense or maybe we're overvaluing it in Gobert's case when we don't overvalue it for other players because he truly is a defender. So yeah, I don't know. Neither underrated or overrated. I think what it, I think what it comes down to is the fact that, for one, defense is you can play uh, essentially perfect defense, and in the league today, players will still score. Um, players like Kyrie Irving, I think, is the best example, or Kevin Durant is no. the best example. Of no, a guy. Curry is the best example. Yeah, even even Curry, uh, or Curry as well. They they make players who are elite defenders. They don't even make them look foolish sometimes. But they're the type. There are a lot of guys who make you just throw up your hands and say uh, that stuff's gonna happen. Players are great. So I think that's or that 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 stuff's gonna happen. Shut up. Um, that I think that <laughs> I think that um, the that's the reason Gobert falls just a little behind Cat. Um, and um and Jokic, who uh, maybe are interchangeable in that four and five spot. Um, Although I will say, for fantasy, pick him up. He won oh, me yeah. a league. Um, or pick up any other tall big man. Um, <laughs> Even Dwight Howard. <laughs> Dwight Howard or DeAndre Jordan or Clint Capella, right? Uh, Jokic but got me. With those Hell names, points. with those minds in my names in mind, um, honorable mention. Who would you guys? One honorable mention. All right. In my opinion, it's um, our on my honorable mention, DeAndre. Uh, what am I saying? Andre Drummond. Although he did underperform last season, in my opinion. Um, to me, um, I don't think. I I kind of want to just I I want to say an honorable mention, not because I actually think he's the sixth, seventh best big man of the league in the league, but I do think Stephen Adams doesn't get the credit he deserves. The guy averaged five and a half offensive rebounds, which is just insane. So, uh, honorable mention going out to Stephen Adams as one of the best big men in the league. Brendan, uh, to kind of go along with your point, Justin, you know, I I'd probably say Andre Drummond too, just because of uh, the success that that team at least had in the first half of the season last year. But my honorable mention actually is going to be to Dwight Howard. Um, you know, I don't, I obviously he's not the player he was. But I have to say, I was very impressed with his performances last season. He really averaged um, a consistent 15 and 10. Um, and that was helpful for that team. Although they weren't very good, um, it was very helpful. And it's really good to see Dwight Howard putting back uh, some effort into basketball. And frankly, I don't understand how he couldn't find a home, even at that price. Well, that's all for this episode. Thank you so much for listening to our discussion of big men and let us know what you think uh, will be the role of big men going forward down in the comments and on our social media. Also, uh, if you have a different list for your top five, top ten big men, uh, let us know about that too. It's 
Uh, it's great to have discussions going and try and get this community growing. Um, uh, and I think that'll make this help make this much uh, even more fun. We're really enjoying our, ourselves, and thank you so much for listening and giving us feedback. Uh, that said, we're gonna sign off.